Good morning and welcome to the Small Business Cheerleader Podcast. I'm Nicola Willis from NW Marketing, the Small Business Cheerleader. I'm here today with Carly from Bake with Carly, and we're going to be talking about how you turn a passion into a business. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love this topic because it is such a wealth of knowledge for people looking to do exactly that, turn their passion into a business. And you have done it so successfully. Your Instagram is huge, your workshops, everyone knows what you do. So I want you to share how this came about for you and everything that the good and the bad and the ugly, everything in between. But firstly, let's start with how did you get into baking? How did it start for you? Uh, Well, I guess mine is a little bit of an interesting story and not necessarily what people would think when you think of someone who's a baker. I don't call myself a natural baker at all. Um, So I didn't, I don't have any of those really cute stories of growing up with a grandma who spent time in the kitchen. Um, Unfortunately, both my grandparents passed quite early. So I don't have any of those cute stories. And my mum did bake a lot, but it wasn't something that we did together. Um, So I didn't start baking until I was about 25. Um, So quite late, really. And before that, when I say I didn't bake, like, I didn't bake anything at all. So it's something that I found, I guess, later in life. I already had, you know, a career in other spaces and then I picked this up. Um, I got diagnosed with a nut allergy at 19. And for me, as a sweet tooth, that was something that's really hard to deal with. It made eating out really hard to make sure that, you know, I could stay safe but still eat things, which meant I just didn't eat anything when we went out in terms of dessert because it was all too hard. Um, And particularly that time, a lot less awareness around allergies as well. So that's kind of what sparked my my passion and thinking about baking and thinking I'd love to be able to create desserts that everyone with a nut allergy could eat safely because I, you know, always hear about the little kiddos with lots of different allergies that definitely tugged on my heartstrings. I was like, right, Let's do this. I had so many failed attempts. So I was living with family at the time. I had so many failed attempts for trying to bake different things. I decided not only was I going to bake nut-free, I was going to bake bake everything free. So this was at a time when gluten-free bread was, you know, those really small, hard rocks, like absolutely awful, awful to eat. Everything now is so much better in terms of gluten-free. So I tried to go everything with no baking knowledge whatsoever. There were just some catastrophic fails so I've kind of put that to a side I focused on my corporate career for a while and it was when I I came back maybe got disillusioned a bit by working full-time thinking there's got to be something else (laughs) else out there um decided I would like to pursue baking I'd got into the habit of doing it on the weekends for friends and family I was enjoying it I really wanted to know a bit more science behind it I went part-time did a couple of units at TAFE and that is what really sparked my passion for baking I did these units at TAFE and thought I'm really enjoying this. My first unit was cakes and cookies. And I was like, that's it. That's me. That's done. So I had a bit of knowledge from the kitchen of how to, you know, work cleanly and neatly and follow a recipe and create a a procedure and all these things. That is what sparked the passion for me. So I very quickly decided to um, kind of fell into it, open my own business. um, And it was making cakes and cookies and and cupcakes and it was only through sheer practice and determination that I was going to make this this work so I kind of accidentally fell into a business I was so 
passionate about baking and and sharing those nut-free bakes and then starting to experiment with vegan baking as well. Um, So my first business was Cakes by Carly and I definitely did kind of fall into it. I think a lot of people do when they have a passion and they decide, you know, oh, my friends and family are enjoying this. Um, I might start a business, make a little bit of money as a side hustle. I think that's a really natural progression for anyone to make and how a lot of businesses do start definitely my first one it did um so that was my passion and i was all things baking in tiny little kitchen and just making it work so as i said that that uh that first business i had for about three or four years um it was something I was doing on weekends, so working part-time, baking on weekends, doing wed- weddings and expos and markets, um, all the fun things when it comes to baking. When I decided to start teaching, and it was a little while before I swapped to my current business name, Bake with Carly, uh, when I decided to start teaching, I took a whole different approach to starting that business. And that really was a business mindset of starting that business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had budgets and spreadsheets coming out of my wazoo and I had everything organized because I needed to make this um, a success and I needed it to be a business that would make me money in terms of income because I had a redundancy around that time as well and I needed to be a business that succeeded. So my business mindset is completely different from when I started baking I guess, as a passion. My passion now is teaching people. I love dessert so much. I love spreading that joy of of baking to others and knowing that baking doesn't have to be complicated. One bowl recipes are the best. I believe you're a bit of a sweet tooth and we had a chat about um, Oreo blondies. Yes. Yeah. I got to try them. So they are the best. That's it. Teaching is is wonderful because it does spread that knowledge and it does allow you to spread your passion. But with the business mindset, I love that. Yeah. So that was a real deliberate move to um, make a business that did did make me income and in a real way of, as you said, sharing that that passion. So I guess over time, my passion has always been cakes. I'm just using it in a different way now to teach others that passion and share that passion with them. So business now is a little bit more... Um, structured a little bit more mass which as a, as a writer is um, a little bit scary but so necessary in business as well to have the different mindset and I'm also currently moving into the coaching space in terms of helping people who are starting their cake businesses to be a bit more structured than I was with my first business so they can start with a bit more of a business mindset in any business cake making there is money to be made and if you go about it the right way you can set yourself up for success from the very start so that is my passion changed just slightly over time but always revolves around sugar yeah well I mean look my passion revolves around sugar without the business part so I'm more or less the ideal client side so I uh, must say, oh, Zumbo and all those um, things I've tried with the cakes and, yeah, never quite got there, but I do appreciate them, which I think you would have a lot of people in your corner with that. And also appreciating the hard work that goes into those creations because it is not something. I know uh, it is something we love to try and you can get better at with practice, but, you know, when you've got a flair, you've also got a flair. But I, the the key points I've taken out of, out of that is it's knowing your numbers 
I found uh, when I work with startups, because a majority of my coaching clients are startups, is, is knowing those numbers if you want to turn a hobby into a business. Because people can say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm selling stuff and, and people are interested in that. But it's like, how many of what do I need to sell to then allow me to have a take-home income of X? Not my top line revenue is this. Um, and I'm making the same as I did uh, at a corporate job, not taking into account that, you know, 50% of that should be whatever your take home is. So I think a lot of people need to do that work and have a plan. Like you said, how am I going to make this passion into a viable business, a profitable business, not just a, a, a glorified job as some people um, I get stuck into because you'll lose passion, won't you? If you don't, if you don't see it turning into a profitable business. So, so what did you do to turn that, that passion into a business? So you got the, a plan in place you were you were looking at how to scale as well was that part of the um the overall plan yeah so for me it was about sitting down and examining the numbers so even before I started teaching I was like okay how much is it going to cost me an outlay to buy all the equipment I need uh to teach people so I costed that out I had spreadsheets um galore which is not my forte I will say but I'm so much better at them now um I costed it out like I worked out where I could get things from where my supply was coming from I think sometimes just seeing it all on paper and like starting a business is about you know even knowing what sort of plan to have or someone giving you a template to to spark an idea of where to work from if you don't have that business mindset or knowledge or that's not been part of your upbringing or career to date. You know, people work in very different industries where they don't come across that. I certainly hadn't. My background is a journo. So spreadsheets for me are completely foreign. Um, so just knowing how I had some, some help from a family member to put things down and to get thinking in that mindset of profit and loss and obviously doing a few small courses to understand, you know, how to make money, a bit more on the marketing side of things, like how to get myself out there. So it was about knowing how to pull those numbers together and what to look for and also to work out how much I needed to make each week to survive and replace that corporate career after redundancy. So all things that can sound a little bit scary, particularly when it's something, it's a passion. A lot of bakers might think, oh, I just bake for money and I get a little bit of money and that's okay. But they're not actually thinking about the cost of the ingredients, you know, the extra electricity and all the utilities, which is quite a big one. They're Many bakers are not um, accounting for their time and that's a common thread in small business no matter what the field is. They're not accounting for their time, let alone the cost of materials. Um, so it's knowing all those things and being able to cost it out and put it together and having, you know, a costing sheet and a standard price list. And I did all that for my teaching business as well to know how much, you know, minimum numbers for classes, how many people I need to make a profit. Um you know, venue hire, they're the sort of things that I look at and minimum numbers to run a class so it is profitable and to treat myself as a business as well. That was that was a big one for me in that mindset of I'm not just doing this for fun anymore. Like this, I need to make money as an income to, you know, live and keep a house and pay the bills. Um, I need it to be profitable. So it's a whole different mindset for I'm baking a cake for, you know, my sister-in-law because she loves what I bake. That's a very different mindset. So 
These days, unfortunately, I'm not baking many cakes for my sister-in-law or anyone because hey, they have to pay. There's a there's it's a business. They may get a slight discount, but they still get to pay. I don't, I don't actually bake for money anymore. So I teach. I don't bake cakes for. There's a few council things around that. I don't bake. Um, I don't bake for money. I teach classes. So that's a whole different thing as well. I always get that career. Can you make me a cake? No, sorry, I don't do that anymore. Let's do it. I can teach you. Yeah, I can exactly. teach you how to do it. And it's so easy. Like I will say, like, I'm not a natural baker. If I can bake, honestly, yep. anyone can bake because so I've got sensory issues. I don't even still don't even like opening the oven to get things out of the out of the oven. When I said to mum, oh mum, I'm gonna go to tape, she's like Who's going to open the oven for you? <laughs> I know. Well. I know what that's like. My my eldest has sensory issues with uh, mashed potato. Okay. So you know how some some people just have things where they're just like, that isn't a vibe. I'm not touching or doing that or, or something. So I I understand that. For me, it's um, heat. Now, when we go, going back to numbers for a second, yeah. um, I know that when I die started to dive deep into numbers and and years ago, uh, the book and the process that helped me was Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Yeah. I do recommend that a lot of the time to those looking to transfer from a hobby to a business because it does take that mindset out of profit's a dirty word and you don't want to be, you know, that, you know, person who's just out to make money because a lot of people do have a hobby as a passion and they don't want to think of it as you're now trying to, you know, take advantage of people or make money. But we have to get over that as women in particular that making money and profit is not a dirty word because obviously if we don't have a business, we can't help people. So you need to be able to pay all those things and profit first um, comes back to that thing of making sure that you're allowing to pay yourself and you're allowing to have money for tax and operation expenditures and also what percentages those need to be because I know that back when I was running a multi-six-figure business, I didn't even really know the percentages, what should be owners comp and what should be the percentage I'm putting aside for operational expenditures to have a profitable business and then when you put your figures in wherever you're sitting and you realize well hang on my operating expenses are 83 percent of my top line revenue and my net profit is something like negative 63 percent so how is this even happening so you can be big doesn't mean you're profitable so I think that's what people need to get out of their mind. If you're a small business, you can be killing it compared to someone with multi-six figures if they don't know their percentages. So profit first is a great start. Or like you said, find someone you trust in that space who can give you templates or sheets or just allow you to have some clarity. That's what I would um, be the first step. And you did exactly that. That's what I would be recommending to if you're making that transfer over to get clear, set, and even if your percentages are out, it's just a matter of adjusting as you go and building towards a goal. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, I think often the hardest part is that when someone has got a passion, they're not even thinking it that it's going to be a business. It just becomes a very expensive hobby in a way. It's what yeah. I like to call cake making at times, a very expensive hobby uh, when people keep buying. I, I tell, tell people in classes like you, you only need one nozzle. You don't need to go buy 500 million nozzles. And I often say that in classes. Excuse me, I say, you know, as a business, well, I'm not going to buy that. You would, as an individual, if you would like to go multiple things, but as a business, I'm going to stick to a basic core, um, you know, things that I need that I'm not wildly 
spending. So I do kind of talk to that normally in class as well, get people thinking about that. And I've had a lot of people transition from studying because I've been teaching for three and a half years, I think, on top of the baking. Um, people coming have done multiple classes. They've kind of, It's ignited a passion for them and they're starting to open their own business, which why, is why I'm moving into the coaching space to help those who come through that natural progression of finding a passion, like really um, loving it and then wanting to do it for themselves. But I think there's also something inside of you as well as a business owner that you kind of have to have. You kind of have to, a rod of steel sometimes to believe in yourself and to be able to turn it into a business and to be able to put those numbers together and stick to your pricing and stick to your guns and um, say no to family members. So there's, I think it takes something special for someone to turn a passion into a business. Um, Yeah, and the support from and I think that's why it's so important there's speciality coaches now in this space um be it within your industry um be it within the health and fitness industry I've seen it um and lots of different areas where people need specialized help you know say my coaching for service businesses would be different to coaching for product businesses because it's a different um, space and the same when it comes to you know creating um a mixture of both or you know you need someone who's been there and done that and I think that that's wonderful that you've been able to expand into that using everything that you know um, so that you are helping the next lot come up Uh, and that leads me to my next question with the difference between a business and a hobby what would you besides the figures and things is it a mindset thing of you know making sure that you have that I am capable I do you know value myself and my prices and my product or you know where did you find the difference um, I think it definitely does come down to, to self-belief. Um, I'm someone who have, does have a great self-belief in myself. I know there's so many different personalities out there. doesn't mean it can't happen for those people who have different personality types. But I do think it comes down to a bit of a belief in yourself. Um, definitely support from family and friends is is really vital as well. Um, but it's I think the biggest one is having that drive and motivation business sometimes you know you can hear it's a little bit lonely and it can be because you know you're not in an office clocking on at eight o'clock you don't have that drive every day to do that you do have to self-motivate to get things done you know to go do the shopping to buy the ingredients and buy the cake boxes to get the cake ready like there's no one hurrying you along and and doing that for you it is all this self-drive and determination so I think that's one of the biggest things in business believing yourself having the drive um and passion underneath it definitely drives it for me. So my passion is is desserts because I love them so much and enjoy eating them way too much um, and sharing that with people. So, but it's also, maybe it's because I found my passion, I guess, a bit later in life. It wasn't something that, um, as I said, came naturally to me. So I've kind of also been able to, in a way, put it in its box and say, I'm good at baking and I've now found this love of teaching and I'm really good at teaching um, and I'm able to to do that and have that passion. And then I've still got, I guess it's not my whole life, I've got other passions and hobbies that I enjoy doing as well. So there's a bit of separation there as well. It's mm. um, I don't bake and that's not my whole being, that's not who I am. I have a bunch of other hobbies and, and things that I enjoy doing. So maybe a bit of separation is healthy as well. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of... In a, in a traditional workplace, there's a bit of workplace separation as well, that you are not your whole job um, and that there's a 
some healthy boundaries in place too. I was just going to say that boundaries, especially when working from home. I know that there was someone told me years ago that if you do work from home, uh, in the morning, step outside your front door and step back in. Just a mindset shift of just that little thing sometimes can be all you need. Uh, of just doing that for me uh, it always was the kids get dropped at school I come back I start my day so I know that I go out that door I come back in that door as a different person and then school pick up I go out that door I come back as a mum so you know I mean my kids are older now so it's not as much of a thing but back when I mean I've been doing say 15 years back when they were little it just had to be had to be a boundary uh, of when I started and when I stopped. Otherwise, it does tend to be a 24-7 and that's when you see things that I work on, you know, the overwhelm, the feeling like you're consistently consumed with your business and that's when burnout happens. And it sounds like you've made that um, that mindset adjustment really well in making sure that, um, but again, that comes down to personalities too. A lot of people, I'm a projector in human design, so I tend to go, 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 then burn out, then stop, then go, 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 burn out and stop. So I had to learn to just go in energetic bursts when, um, you know, that works for me, whereas obviously like manifesting generators just go, 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 because they can. So I think, as you said, it's like all different types. It's going to find out how you work within that realm because that took a long while for me to realise why I kept burning out, um, trying to keep up with everyone else in how they showed up and sometimes um, I imagine that would be the same with you know how you take a passion into a business and how you identify how you are as a business owner I think too it's different to how you would be with a hobby or a passion a business takes a whole different mindset of um, you how you show up and I definitely did um, as a, a lot of business owners do a little a lot of work on myself in and around myself to understand myself better and how, as you said, how you show up for yourself in your business, I think is is quite important um, to understand how you work. I have a really kind of solid understanding of who I am and that really helps with my space, but I am naturally motivated, so I love getting up and doing things, but boundaries is something that I'm always working on. I think most people are always working on in terms of business for when, when do you switch off? And because my, so I I still do work in um, my business isn't quite full time. I still work in my corporate career as well in communications because I'm so lucky that I have two um, careers that I absolutely adore. So because comms and social media is something that I do all the time, switching off at nighttime is, can be hard for me. I'm starting to put a boundary in place for that one because that's naturally what I do in my other career. So to want to do that for my business at the time when people are on is quite hard and something I'm currently struggling with. Um, But yeah, having boundaries and knowing yourself is just so important to be able to separate that passion from a hobby because they, a hobby and a business is, is, is so different. As I said, I fell into my first business as many people do. The biggest thing that I recommend, which I kind of talk about it in classes, that if you're thinking about starting a business, start it right. Like if you've got some tools and things behind you, you're going to set yourself up for more success. As you said, if you don't, um, you know, some people will lead to burnout and that can happen really quickly, um, particularly in the cake world. You know, people uh, aren't realising they are a business and not just a very expensive hobby and that they do burn out very quickly because they're not making any money at all. No, I mean, and, and that's... Yeah. 
I'm dealing with a client at the moment, um, passionate about fitness, PT, and, you know, a wonderful teacher and just amazing, um, you know, trying to do everything the right way, um, but not aware of was she making money or not, um, yeah. you know, and, and then wondering is, you know, is this really working? Yeah. So, again, had to sit down last week, okay, what do you need to take home for your family? Yeah. What do you need? You know, and what's the difference between a full-time and a part, you know, and working from home? There are benefits to both. So, you know, it might not be an apples for apples. Okay, you make 4,000 take-home in a job. Well, you might not need 4,000 take-home in the other one because you've got other benefits. So, you know, getting, and once you're clear, then you can go, okay, how many sessions do I need to sell? How do I need to create an online thing? What do I need to give me my top-line revenue to allow me 50% of that as the owner's comp to give me my 3000 So, of course, you need like six, 7000 top line. How am I going to get it? It's a bit clearer then. Okay, I need this many of that, that many of this, and this many of that. Right, let's mark it. How do we get it out there? So, you know, that, but when you're not clear on that, you just roll and then you feel disenchanted when you're not, yeah. you know, doing what you think. And so, yeah, clarity for me, um, obviously I use it that word all the time, overwhelm with clarity, they're, they're the two things. If you can get that sorted in the beginning, much, much um, happier because people burn out and um, within the first, you know, five years, a lot of them don't make it as we know and or they get to three to five years in and they're just burnt out and they're like, I just I can't do this anymore. And I said, well, you know, how, have you done your ideal client work? Really dive deep into what their pain points are, how you can solve them and and what your why is, like you, yours is very clear. You know, what is your why? Not just the superficial thing you have on a website, but why you really do what you do. What vision do you have for this um, you know, uh, passion turn business. What is the vision for it? Yeah. And then work a way to get there. And and that's what I do with my clients because, yeah, that clarity provides a path and the path is what can help you get there. And um, But some people are not geared that way and need a little bit more structure and uh, and support in getting there. And I think that's what is good. You're providing for people in your space and I try to provide for people in the services space um, or providing some sort of um, business service because it's hard. I mean, you, yeah. you'd have to admit it's not it's not easy. It's it's, it's definitely um, parts of it are better than what I expected it, and parts of it are more challenging. And when you go through quiet periods or you have those those lulls, have the motivation to get back up again is something that's that's really hard. So having a support network around you, not just family and friends, because if they're not in small business, unfortunately, they don't get it. So small business networks have been like a saving grace for me, as well as a couple of close girlfriends who have their own businesses to understand those struggles because they're complete, but also to celebrate the successes with you as well. So those people who step, you know, walk along beside you and you're both cheerleader for each other, as well as being able to talk about some of the harder times and spur each other on and get each other motivated again so business is tough but the, as you were talking before about the benefits it brings the benefits it brings and I'm not a mum but the benefits it brings to be able to be home with my puppy dogs all day who like company um all the different things it brings not having to sit in an office five days of the week in a stifling air-conditioned office being yeah. able to be outside like those benefits are often worth so much more than the paycheck and that's what I I think has to be taken into consideration because everyone I feel at the beginning it's like apples for apples I, I have to make this exact amount of money to know that I've succeeded in in transferring over 
But, you know, not travelling an hour to work, an hour back, not having to put your kids, if they're younger, in, in daycare five days a week, you know, those things need to be considered and they have a monetary value and their mental health has to be taken into account. So I think people need to start um, being easy on themselves and start realising that, that that has a monetary value that need for your family that needs to be taken into consideration. It's not just apples for apples because we all know working full-time um, is hard and, and working full-time, especially if you've got young kids, is even harder. So uh, there is a difference. Uh, and when most mums start a, a business is usually when their kids are younger and they want to go back and have flexibility and then they're so hard on themselves that they're not earning the same wage and then it creates this am I good enough and it just is this absolute spiral um, of yeah doubt and and I just think that that's unwarranted because you know everyone's good enough I mean I know I went um, consulting when I had my my first kid so my my oldest is 18 in March uh, so I went I had maternity leave and I had my second 18 months later so I went back then so that's been nearly six, 16 years ago so I just did it because I wanted to work 18 hours a week. Someone offered me a consulting role doing marketing and I was like, that's perfect. I can work from home and I'm with my kids. Yes, it was hard because they wanted me when I was on client calls and it was a whole vibe. And then it turned into full-time hours. And then I was like, wow, this is intense. So I had to give some of my work up to a friend and she took it on for me. And then I, anyway, it's, it's a whole vibe. But before I knew it, I was making, you know, mid six figures and I had to, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so busy. So I, I just took on people to help me. And I created a massive team, not massive, I mean a massive vibe, a wonderful team. But I didn't do all the work. I'd, I didn't work out. I just got busy. So you're talking falling into a business. I fell into a business. I was a consultant, a freelancer. I had my own little thing. Before I know it, I'm a CEO and I've got a team, including me, of six. Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. And then um and then COVID hit and my biggest clients took their uh, work in house. All of a sudden, I'm now a CEO going through a crisis that every business is going through, having to manage staff and change and pivot. And so you know you do fall into it, but the more structure you have in where you know where you sit. And luckily, I'd done that just before COVID, so I knew where I sat and I knew what I had to do. So it just makes decisions easier because you know where you stand, and at any point you can pivot and make decisions. I, I think that's the easiest for me. Now, I want to ask you a question, the last one, which you know is coming. What's your favourite dessert? Because we all need to know from someone who loves desserts what your favourite dessert is. Well, this is going to blow your mind, but my favourite dessert is not a baked dessert. It's ice cream. Oh, did you know my favourite oh, vanilla ice cream with chocolate proper, topping? No, proper gelato. Like it yeah. has to be a good gelato. It can't just be... The crappy ice cream from the freezer yeah. at Coles or Woolies. Like it's got to be a pro. I'm a, I am an ice cream snob, but that is my favourite dessert. <laughs> Otherwise, um, uh, the next favourite, we've, I've mentioned this before, but the Oreo Blondie, honestly, yeah. it is, it is, yeah. So the Oreo Blondie and also raspberry and white chocolate brownie. Like oh, those, I, I rarely bake them because the problem is that I eat them. So, but when I do bake them, I'll eat them all. So, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that sounds, I remember being in Italy and having proper ice cream and just going, okay, this is what real ice cream's like. I forgot 
that this is the real stuff. I'm just having the imitation version back home. And I just thought, oh, my God, I remember just seeing all of the flavours and just going, what is this? You know how they make it so it looks like mountains, like snowy peaks, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, what is that? So do you make the ice cream or you just enjoy the ice cream? I enjoy the ice cream. And, again, I think that's a nice separation and it's not something that I make. I would love to one day. Uh, yeah. I have looked at it before doing an ice cream course. I was like, that could start a very slippery slope for me. I don't think you'd ever get me out the freezer again. I'd just be making ice cream for the rest of my life. So uh, not at the minute, but one day I would love to make gelato. But I, I, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, when you make something, it's not as exciting as having the experience of going somewhere to do it. Yes. So- and isn't it like when you meet a celebrity <laughs> it's that whole it's thing when you actually mm-hmm. get that behind the scenes of your favorite so, thing usually I love having and also because ice cream is one of the things that i can usually eat quite safely so yeah. for me it is an experience that that's one thing that i can go out and enjoy or even at a at a restaurant is something that i can have that's quite safe usually that stuff's usually pretty crap but um you know it is something that's safe so for me i kind of save that for when i go out that's a that's a special treat, that. that's a safe food for me so I love that. Well, it's been amazing because I think we've, um, you know, we've had some truth bombs in there that people that are looking at doing can really investigate. And and I want them, if they want to know more about, obviously, your coaching um, or any of your classes, where do they go um, to find out more about that stuff, if they're in this space or if they just want to chat with you? So it all kind of lives on my website, which is bakewithcarly.com.au. I've got all my upcoming classes on there. Speaking again about Oreo Brown uh, Blondies, I do have a slice class coming up at the end of February, which is about making sampling slices it's it's a whole fun thing with bubbles and a grazing board so i have that one coming up but everything else lives on the website so coaching and classes private classes they're all up on the website awesome well everyone go check out carly because she's amazing and obviously if you just want you know like beautiful dessert porn then go and look at all that as well because obviously it's all there for you as well because sometimes you know with the Instagram that's what we love most but there is some uh info and some education behind it so go and check out all stuff um on the website it's been awesome to chat and I think definitely I'm well I'm a sweet tooth so I've got to check out (laughs) the favorite one so what's the favorite one I need to check out the Oreo Okay. Cross between a gooey caramel slice yep. and a big chop chip cookie. Oh, because we had this chat, my I'm addicted to chop chip muffins for muffin break. So you recommended that this was my best step up to the real dessert world. So I think that might be on my list. <laughs> it's been amazing to chat, Carly, and um, I'll continue to check you out online.